atmosphere. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Shall I be I will I will wait on 
Hi everyone, this is Brittany is Chosen and you're listening to The Chosen Chronicles right here on 93.9 FM. I'm joined with a few special guests, maybe several is a better term. That being said, I'm excited to share their perspectives with you. It's not really an interview, it's more of a conversation, so we'll see what they have to say. But first, we're going to go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you because you're awesome, you're amazing, there's no one like you, there's no one beside you. I stand here fully persuaded that neither height nor depth nor any created thing, right, can separate me from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right now, I plead the blood of Jesus over this broadcast, and in the name of Jesus, I command that only the Holy Spirit of God will come close and prosper. I bind the spirit of confusion. I bind any thing that would disrupt the clarity of what we say over the air today in the name of Jesus. And I do that because you've told me through the scriptures that whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So that being said, I also lose clarity, purpose, promise, love, abundance, uh, boldness, and confidence in this conversation that the word of God can go forth and touch many hearts, anchoring them in a reminder of your infallible, unconditional, unmoved, unmovable love for us. I thank you so much that while we were yet sinners. You died for us. I'm grateful that you incline your ear to prayers like this. And I'm grateful that this is my show. So if I want to pray 10 more minutes, I can. I glorify you right now, God. And I invite others in this studio to do the same. We lift you up. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Right now, we invite you to inhabit the praises of your people. We invite you to incline your ear among us, God, and just to come and take a seat uh, as we reverence you for who you are, as we stand in awe, as we stand in honor that you're due and give you glory glory because even when we're accomplished, even when we succeed, even when we get certain distinctions and um, accolades, it is only um, by your grace that we are sufficed throughout life. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but your grace is sufficient for us. We thank you, God, that your strength is perfected in our weaknesses. We thank you that your truth um, is unshakable and it's unshaken, even in this age where everything seems blurry, where everything seems gray. um, There's a truth that will not um, be diminished. It says one jot It says neither one jot or one tittle will be taken from the word of God um, in the scriptures. So I will will say that as well in the in the words of the King James Version of scripture. God, I thank you and I praise you because you're awesome. Thank you for this vehicle to empower others. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Maybe they'll say that. Amen. Okay, they do have voices and they do care that we just prayed. Amen. All right, so once again, this is Brittany is Chosen, and you are on The Chosen Chronicles. I do have uh, four guests with me. That being said, I want you to start here with Susan and go all the way to Mariah and introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Susan. I'm from, um, I go to Valor Christian College in Ohio. And I'm from originally from Pennsylvania. Hello, I'm Chanel. I also attend Valor Christian College in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Hello, my name is Shelby Taylor, and I'm a freshman at Transylvania University, and I am from Lexington, Kentucky. Hi, my name is Mariah. I attend Liberty University Online, and I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. Okay, so hopefully the sound check was successful. I think that you guys should be able to hear each and every one of them, but I am joined with Susan, Chanel, Shelby, and Mariah today, and they each attend, well, we have two from Valor, but the other two attend Transy and Liberty, so they have a different um, range, I guess, of collegiate experiences, and I attended the University of Kentucky, which is an entirely different beast with 30,000 students, so that being said, let's jump in. I want to know, what is it like being saved in college? Mariah? Um, For me, it's much different since I am online. So there is no, 
you know, friends to really connect with. There's no teachers to connect with. There's no campus. It's all me either at work or at home doing work. So, and it's a Christian school. So I would say it was pretty easy for me. It was a hard adjustment altogether, but as far as my faith, um, it was really easy. Right, very well said. Anybody else want to weigh in? Well, for me, it was a little different because um, I was originally, I was raised as um, a very, in a very religious background. And so it was kind of different going to a campus because I was the first in my family to ever go to a college. But it's a Christian college, so it, it's a good experience. But there, I have to be careful to, you know, with every every place you're at, you have to be careful who you hang out with and everything, who you're around. And I really learned that. Um, on campus at college, but I also find a lot of great opportunities with a lot of people. Okay, Susan, so you said you're a first-generation college student. Did you go to college straight out from high school? Did you take a break? What did that look like? I actually went to um, college when I was 17, and um, I got my GED, dropped out of high school, because um, when I was, I was homeschooled and went to all kinds of different schools, and um, that kind of held me back a few years. So, therefore, I just decided, why not just get my GED and go to college? So, you're one of the few who actually got the GED and went straight to college. Sometimes that can be the plan, but it doesn't always happen. And a lot of us make plans, and they don't always happen. Has anyone else experienced a detour on the road to college or while in college? All right, Shelby. Um, I say my first semester of being a freshman in college, I would say it was very eye-opening. Plus, this semester, um, I had a lot of roadblocks um, and a lot of challenges. I really thought that I would pull off this semester like, well, I'm going to come out with all A's and be on top of the world, but that's not how it works. So next year, well, next semester, like I know what to do differently. I learned a lot about adulthood. I learned a lot about responsibility um, and how to stay focused even when you feel like you aren't focused. And when, like, you know, things are trying to take away your focus. So I learned a lot this semester about self and how to be responsible and how to be a responsible adult. And that makes a lot of sense. I think all of us can relate to having to learn those lessons. It's funny. You'll keep learning them. So welcome to the class. Chanel, how was your transition from high school to college? <clears throat> Sorry. That's fine. For me, it was very, it was actually very easy um, because I was at home and my mom, like, she just kind of suggested the school for me to go to because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just said, yeah, immediately. And I just got myself together and everything from there was just a smooth transition. Um, when I was at college, I did like learn a lot, like being on campus and I've grown a lot spiritually as well. So I would say the only thing that really was a change for me was just me, like, me spiritual wise I would say that so why did your mom suggest Valor because she was watching DCM um one day and she was like Chanel what about Valor because I was just trying to I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated like I was going to settle for community college but I really wasn't happy where I was and she just suggested it to me and I was just like sure why not okay and what is your academic focus at Valor um I am in media and communications um I'm very like I'm, I love to create um, videos, and I'm getting into photography, and I'm really good with editing and stuff like that. So that's my focus. Okay, cool. Anybody else involved in anything artistic in their focus academically, or what's the range of your respective disciplines and majors? 
psychology with a focus in Christian counseling? Um, psychology and political science, and I want to minor in education. Mine is uh, pastoral leadership, and I'm just uh, studying that so I can further my education in, in counseling. All right, cool. So what would furthering your education and counseling look like? Um, going to a university after I graduate from Valor Christian College. Sure. Okay, so um, a lot of you guys have talked about the adjustment, I guess, into adulthood because, of course, especially when you move, when you move, when you go to college, there is this renewed, I guess, or established sense of independence from your parents, but I'm sure that that has looked different because your households are different and your faith backgrounds are different and your support systems are different. Does anyone want to weigh in on what that's looked like? Well, my family has always been very, well, they've been very supportive in the beginning and they still are supportive, but like as I got older um, and in college, they they kind of were letting me know that I need to start making like my own moves and stuff like that. So in the beginning, yeah, they helped me out until I can get on my feet. But then from there, I just kind of had to start doing things on my own. Anybody else? Um, well, I mean, I'm still at home, but I would say the adjustment into adulthood was still there because I waited three years after I graduated to actually go to college. So it was a lot of saving money, and I still have bills. I still have phone bill, car insurance. At the time, I was paying a rent, and they kind of cut that so they didn't have to help me as much. But, I mean, I'm still broke. I'm still trying to pay tuition. I still have loans that I had to use. So it was hard, and it's still hard, but we're getting there. We're pushing. Okay. And is that the general experience? Are all of you a different levels of broke or, or what? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I can agree to that. Yeah. Okay. Do we have plans to get unbroke? <laughs> Just yeah. when I get my degree and I get my job, then no, I'll have money. I, okay. I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> no, I have a I have a savings plan. I make sure that I do not have just no money. And if I don't have any money, usually I'll kind of take some. I have a temporary savings in the savings, so I always have some in the temporary savings for me to at least do something that I want for the week or until I get my next paycheck and I kind of plan it out to where I don't have to use every single one of my checks to put in my savings account to pay for school. Okay, that's encouraging to hear. What were you going to say, Shelby? I don't spend money that I can't get back, so if I spend something, I need to make sure that I can get it back <laughs> or I'll just not spend anything. Okay, and that's a baby step towards a functioning budget. It has worked for me. I'm telling y'all, my account has stayed at the same, you know, level since I've got an account. Okay. So where does increase come from if you just maintain a level? Um, I said I'm stuck. Okay, well, bless the Lord. So we're all learning today. We're just learning from each other. Amen, amen. So so that being said, let, let me ask you this. So is it pretty much that each of you guys are attending something, a college with a faith orientation? Transy's a bit different, but... I know they were um, a Catholic school, mm -hmm. but now I think they're moving away from that. Um, they still have like chapels and stuff like that, but it's not anything like forced or like you have to take like a Christian course or something like that. No. Okay, so I think that there are a couple of, of questions that are obvious that I should start kind of going into now that 
I have a sense of the flow of this conversation. And the, the main question I want to ask you is, how are you guys handling relationships? When you go to college, that's typically when people tell you you should expect to meet your future spouse. Has anyone in the studio heard that while you're in college, you will meet your future husband? Raise your hand if you've heard that. I heard that. We have okay. like this thing it's called Ring by people. Spring. Oh, right at our school. school. At our school. People will be getting together so fast. And then, yeah. yeah. So, around, we should be getting some engagement soon. Amazing. What were you saying, Mariah? Uh, I've heard the complete opposite that you're not supposed to get in a relationship in college because it won't last. Okay. Yeah, that's true, too. That's, um, our college actually, they're not against dating, but they say, you know, um, if, it, if it's a distraction, then you shouldn't pursue it. So, yeah. Um, but I see a lot of relationships, you know, don't last at college, you know, but some do. Do you guys but, think that you're getting adequate information on how to handle the relational aspect of your lives while you're in college? Like, I would imagine that while you're at Valor, there's some type of a discipleship component built into the experience that you're having. And that being said, I'd wonder if... Um, through that discipleship or through discipleship vehicles, particularly at Valor, are you guys getting directed information concerning how you should manage your relationships beyond if it distracts you, don't do it? All the time. Yes. All the time. Yes. yes. They talk about purity all the time. They talk, and they have a marriage and family class, so which almost everybody Yeah, we have to take, to take that class, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what they, does that class they teach consist a lot of? of, yeah, relationship stuff. And, yeah, it teaches basically about how to how you should treat your family, how you should raise your family, and how you should treat your spouse, and things like that. Um, it's a really good class. I enjoyed it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what role would you say vision plays in the decisions that you're making and the way that you're charting your course academically, professionally, and otherwise? Anybody? Mm -hmm. Can you restate the question? No, I'm not... What role does vision play in the decisions that you're making across the board? Do you have a vision that you can articulate right now? Mm. Um, you mean like what we want to do like after you tell me or something? Do you have a vision statement for your life? And have you been encouraged to make one? No. Yes, I've been encouraged to make one. But, um, I don't know. Um, you're still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have one. What is it? Is it um, something you can share? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, the vision for my life, um, I definitely see myself pursuing, um, you know, my gifts in, like, editing and photography and stuff like that. And I'm also heavily into fashion. And so I have, like, some business ideas on how I can start. I'm pursuing my love for fashion and also tying that into me like shooting and editing as well and stuff like that and yeah I would say that's about it okay cool well as you guys can tell I'm having a fascinating conversation right now joined by three collegiate Christian ladies who love Jesus but we're gonna take a bit of a break we're listening to Tasha Cobbs Leonard you know my name featuring Jimmy Cravity and before that, you heard William uh, Murphy, Everlasting God. Amen.
Amen. Isn't it cool to know that God knows our name? Because <laughs> he does. Praise the Lord. So that being said, once again, this is Brittany is Chosen. You're listening to the Chosen Chronicles right here on 93.9 FM. And I am joined by four of our best and brightest collegiates right now who love Jesus. Susan, Chanel, Mariah, and Shelby. So they've been sharing a lot. And I was asking them before the break about whether or not they were ever explicitly encouraged to have a vision statement for this time in their lives and Chanel and Susan were saying yes they were encouraged to do so but they didn't necessarily have a completely refined vision statement what about you Mariah what about you Shelby um I was not encouraged to have a vision statement I probably heard it back in high school but as far as me going to college now I've not heard of it I mean I guess I could come up with one probably but for the most part that wasn't even in my mind I was just like I need to start and I finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, I basically have the same outlook as Mariah. It was just like, get through it. You know, just make it through the first semester and just keep going. Okay. Okay. So that's fair. So most of you guys were just really wanting to get started. And that's why you didn't take time to actually refine a vision statement. Now that you've started, what are your next step plans? Um, I just want to use my knowledge even now, even though I haven't, you know, finished my degree I just want to help people I mean that's really the point of me even going to the school that was the point of this degree is I want to help people there was a time where I needed help and I wanted to reach out to a counselor I didn't do it and I should have but I want to be uh, I want to be there to help somebody else or younger people and older but I know young people is where my heart is really okay any other thoughts um, for me on a personal level discipline I think that college will teach me discipline in almost every single area of my life, also spiritually. So um, for my short-term vision, I think that's what I'm really focused on for this season. Okay, discipline, what else? Um, I've always had a dream to travel, to travel the world just all over the place. And um, I also personally feel called to more um, towards the women and young children who are hurting, maybe like abuse or whatever. And you know, just reach out to them, be a counselor. So, um, and that's probably like more in the future. Um, so right now, I'm just you know studying pastoral, so I have more knowledge in that. And okay, so do you all mind sharing how old you are? Just say your name and your age really quick, so the listeners can know. Okay, I am Susan, and I just turned 19. I'm Chanel, and I'm 21. I'm Mariah, and I'm 22. I'm Shelby, and I'm 18. Okay, and are you almost finished, Chanel, or where are you in your standing? Oh, yes, I graduate in May. Okay, does anyone else graduate in May? Yeah. You're graduating in May as well. Mm-hmm. And where are you? I'm a freshman. I just finished my first semester. So you're a freshman, and? I'm a freshman. I just finished my so first yeah, semester. So, yeah, both of you going into your second semester. So there's a bit of a range. we got two that are at the end and two at the very beginning. But all of you are saying that you want to use the, what you have right now to help other people. I agree, because I think that it's it's kind of implicit in just the fact that we all identify as Christians that we're going to want to use what we have in terms of skills and gifts to pour into and help other people. But because I have a very strong perspective, I'm going to start changing my tone for a moment. And I'm going to say that at every point and at all times in your life, 
you should have a clearly articulable <laughs> vision statement and it needs to be a sentence and it needs to be real it needs to have actual content and substance because i'll tell you what happens if you let your life just hang on helping people that can look like anything at any given time and it can put you in a bad place that sounds really counterintuitive right because help is always good it's not because it can put you in a place where you're need driven and then that means that what everyone else needs or wants from you dictates what you do as opposed to what god has called you to do what god has equipped you to do what god has anointed you to do and there is a difference um whereas i have a counseling credential i have a master's level counseling credential the help i'm able to give somebody in a certain situation is going to look very different from the help a high school student can give someone or the help that a second year college student can give someone so what you want to know is what that really looks like for you now and let it develop as you develop so that you can have boundaries and what's the the benefit of boundaries do you guys have any insight on that to protect yourself yeah boundaries are protective so that's why i always say define it for real and even when i counsel people about purity it's not enough to say no sex until marriage you need to have more you need to have more you need to have a biblical perspective of purity that is far beyond sex or no sex um and it needs to be something wherein if you're in a situation you're not making it up as you go but you've already settled these questions in your heart and you've reached conclusions like this is what i don't do ever and this is why this is where i don't go ever and this is why but i think that with the millennial generation with generation z coming up one thing that we've been robbed of is the value of uh standards true everyone wants everything to be flexible everyone wants everything to like be contingent on how they feel on any given day or what their goals are on any given year and what that ultimately robs us of is productivity feel free to weigh in because this is a conversation so you guys can talk at any given time without the awkward gap in between um so that being said you know i think that really that's one of the cloaks that the enemy has been wearing and facilitating through professors both within and outside of the Christian collegiate spectrum, because I see the same problem in, in schools, whether they're Christian or not. And it's really a mentality issue um, because your mentality, of course, will inform your choices and your choices will inform your reality. Anyone else have something to contribute? I really like the way you describe that because a lot of people, um, they aren't really taught the, like, you know, Sex is a, a is a big influence on society and yeah. everything, and um, and I I wonder why a lot and uh, it's just um, I guess it can be a peer pressure of like wanting to be you know fit in and everything, and especially in high school and everything, and um, when it comes to college it's just like you know even at a at a Christian college it can be uh, you know that way sometimes, and. Um, yeah, purity is a subject that can, is avoided a lot of times because it's just kind of a touchy subject, you know. Like, why does the Bible say the way it does, you know? Like, for what reason? And we are created in the image and likeness of God. So, so um, He created us to be, to be like Him, you know? And uh, so, I just like... That's just a subject that is very hard to talk about because a lot of people wonder, well, what about this or what about that, you know? And, and I wonder who's accessible for them to ask. That's my question. And if you have something to say, just say it. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering, you know, just who do they get to ask? Because I know for me, I have an entire ministry built around this conversation. I've been doing it since I was a teenager. And the way that it happened is a really bizarre story I won't even get into. But, um, I mean, so I know I have, like, 
a good core of young ladies who can reach out to me at any given time. But mm-hmm. aside from me and people like me, I'm just wondering who's making themselves available. And really, honestly, I'll tell you, I'll tell you really bluntly what I think. I think a bunch of grown people um, don't have good sense when it comes to this issue. So they can't give you sound counsel. They may believe in Jesus, they may read the Bible, they may preach parts of the Bible, but they have no good sense when it comes to relationships. They're broken, they're scarred, they're wounded, and all they can really do is transfer that. It's a type of infection. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's my frustration, I guess. That's one of those things where when I talk about it, I have a bunch to say. And it's it's positive, but there's also some negative things I think we could do better about. What were you going to say, Shelby? Um, I feel like, you know, when it comes to, like, purity and stuff like that, and when you say, like, you know, the standards have been, like, dropped in this generation, um, who helps through the transitional stages of life? And like you said, like, you know, who do these young girls go and talk to when the transitional stages in life happen, when you go from you know, 12 to 13, and then when you go from 15 to 16, and then when you go from 17 to 18, and then from 20 to 21, like, those are all transitional stages where, like, things kind of get a little bit harder, where things start, you know, temptation gets a little bit worse, so it's like, you know, who helps, you know, navigate us through that, and how to feel, like you said, who do we go to to talk to? I feel like sometimes, you know, people are neglected in those ways in the church when it comes to the talk of sex and when it comes to the talk about temptation you're not really guided you're just told not to from a very young age that's it you're just Mm -hmm. told not to and that's it that's all the counsel that you get don't do it no given reason why why it's so wrong why it's so harmful and everything right and also Mm -hmm. you know have to take in you know people's circumstances like okay well let's say if this person is more likely to go do this and this and that what can we do to help this person be too away from it you know we don't really have things like that conversation set up where people can really deal with it yeah and i guess my question is at what point is the person just expected to understand the power of the choices they make and just make better choices that's and that's not a that's not an answer it's a question when do y'all think that should happen exactly like, when do you think you should be left, you know, to your own charge just to reason through some things and arrive at the right solution and outcome? Honestly, I think accountability of it, of your actions, is like how much you understand. Because honestly, there's a lot of people that are spiritually and mentally immature. So, you know, there's some people that, you know, do stuff just because they do it. But then you have some people that really don't understand the weight of it. Sure. So let me ask you, do you guys... Where are you in terms of your clarity about God's purposes for your body and what that looks like in every in every scenario, not just the obvious ones? How clear are you on our purpose on God's purposes for your body as it relates to purity across the the spectrum, not just the obvious things like to me, an obvious thing would be whether or not you let a guy sleep with you. Mm (laughs) <laughs> on any given night that's an obvious question but there are some other questions that may not be obvious do you guys feel like you've settled those questions or are you still working through them um, me personally i feel like i have settled those any other input i think i think they were settled up, up until high school and then when i got out of high school it wasn't settled until i was about 21 and then now i'm really back and focused and yeah, devoted, definitely. Yeah. Anything else? Anybody else? I wouldn't say that it's settled. I, to be honest, you know, I'm still working through it. Sure. Like, yeah. Like resetting the standards. 
and, and also reevaluating what they look like at this level of life. Because sometimes your standards haven't shifted, but your circumstances have. Yeah. And you kind of need to walk through, okay, I didn't even know this could be life right now. So what does it look like right now? Like for me, I always have to do that often. It's not even about like every five years. It's like every five to six months sometimes because... What you always want to make sure is of is that your vision is informing your choices. So I always say you start at the end. What is your vision? Um, and the vision should, of course, include things like purity, right? But then you work backwards and you say, okay, is what I'm doing announcing that this is my vision? That's the easiest way to kind of like shape a vision statement. It, it, are the choices I'm making, making it very clear that this is where I want to end up. And if not, which choices do I change? So when it comes to relationships, it's the exact same thing. And for me, I've always said things that really bother people about relationships. Like, I'm not going to go into them in detail right now because I don't have enough time. But one thing I say is that I just don't like the idea of dating. I don't like the construct of dating. I don't need dating to make me feel valuable, wanted, or wantable. Um, I just don't need it. And I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And most people would tell me to do it because, mm -hmm. A, I'm grown. B, I expect to be married. So it's not me saying I'm a eunuch. It's not me saying I have a vow to never be in a, a relationship in terms of a marriage. It's not me saying I don't feel called to be a wife or a mother. It's me saying I don't like dating. I think it's messy. Yeah. So we're going to have to come up with a different way, right? Mm -hmm. And it's more than semantics. It's not just I don't call it dating. It's I don't like dating for real and I'm not going to do that so what do we do so because of that you know I always get pushed back to redefine those standards and push back to say this doesn't make sense of course you're going to have to date and of course there are ways to get to know people by no means am I saying that God's going to give me a vision of some stranger I've never met and we're just going to walk to the altar the next day that's not what I'm saying but what I am saying is that I feel like there are certain things there are certain dimensions of great grace that God will place on the life of different people in different areas and you need to be sensitive to that your life may look very different from anyone else's in your family when it comes to certain issues that you have a different grace on your life for because when we talk about purity specifically most people want to know what can I do and still go to heaven what is accessible what is acceptable in terms of me not being labeled a sinner or me not being labeled being in compromise sexually what can I do and not jeopardize jeopardize my salvation right and that's a very different question than what does a pure lifestyle look like like mm -hmm. one of the questions is valid and one of them is it in my opinion so like so a pure lifestyle is is very different than minimally saying oh well i just won't do this because it's bad <laughs> um so so yeah i think that when you've kind of aligned yourself with something like that and for me the standard i keep is radical purity so for me it's like how radical how radically abandoned to God can I be in the choices I make concerning my body, concerning my mind, and concerning my um, my heart. And, and my goal is radical. It is not average, it's not mediocre, and it's not like everybody else because I've yet to meet one person whose life I wanted. Mm. Not one. So I'm not going to do what they do to get where they got. I would say I actually have a similar... I guess story. I've always considered myself not good at dating because mm -hmm. I was always uninterested quickly or I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. I don't want to meet you here. I don't want you to meet me here. Don't come to my job. Don't. So I, yeah, I kind of straight away, I wouldn't say I'm radical, but I would definitely say I am on my own mission. And right now that does not include anybody else except me. Yeah, and I think that in terms of the question of who walks you through, through those transitions, I think there are different levels, right? Different levels of community. You have the obvious one of like your church. Mm -hmm. You have an obvious one of your school. You have an obvious one of your family. But 
each person has a different combination of those three things. Right. And even though you'd like to assume that first of all, people have families, um, you also want to assume that they, those families would actually have that person's highest spiritual interest in mind, but that often is not the case. So what right. you quickly have to develop is the ability to discern between sound counsel and unsound counsel. Mm -hmm. Because just because someone's old doesn't mean their counsel mm -hmm. is sound. Just because someone says they've been there and done that doesn't mean that their counsel is sound. Doesn't mean you should hear it. So what I always say is when it becomes a question, that's when you start inquiring of God and you ask him what his will is for you, what steps he's ordered for you. And that gets you from the dynamic of always responding. Because it's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to take this step in this direction. And in response, I'm going to turn. It's another thing to say, actually, I saw God for vision at the beginning. And what he said, I'm doing. Like one is faith and the other is, it's still faith, but it's like after the fact as opposed to before the fact. So what I would encourage is all of you guys and, and myself too, this is a time where I always go kind of to a prayer closet and pray about vision, pray about goals for the next year, next month, next week, next decade. I, I never go as far out as 10 years, but but um, but I go and I, and I pray and I inquire of God because if I've settled it on my own and I've owned this vision, it doesn't take circumstances or failures or pushbacks or heartbreaks to motivate me into the right direction. I get to kind of skip those things <laughs> you know and, and that's what I kind of like the idea like I think that we haven't necessarily received the type of counsel and discipleship that really 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 tells people to start their life choices from a place of vision mm -hmm. um and I think it's because of the level of faith that requires and I think that sometimes people think faith is impractical and they feel like when you're in this age like everything needs to be practical these decisions need to make sense we need to give them things that are guaranteed but realistically it doesn't matter how many degrees you get it's not guaranteed that you're going to get opportunities in your job markets it's not guaranteed that you're going to get the career you want or that you're going to have the life that you want or that you're going to have the family that you want what you're going to have is opportunities doors will open you'll knock you'll walk through them and sometimes once you do you'll have the experience of realizing, oh, this really isn't a great fit and you'll have to figure something else out altogether anyway. So I think that if you have a God-given vision that can be a single thread through every season of your life, at least it can anchor you and hold you in and give you something to affirm yourself by when everything else looks like a failure because you will have seasons when everything looks like a failure. Has anyone ever had a season like that? <laughs> anyone not had a season like that? And it's okay if you haven't. Definitely have. Yeah. So, but I, I just, yeah. yeah. So I think I think vision is a great way to recover from something like that. Like mm -hmm. goodness, I get knocked around all the time. I'm learning like the bigger the leap is you're trying to take, the more you'll just fall on your face. Mm -hmm. And I'm also learning that sometimes God will divinely ordain public failures <laughs> because someone's watching and them seeing you struggle, them seeing you fail eats away sometimes at the resentment and other barriers that may be between you and them and sometimes people who have seen you fail and just got so uncomfortable with it will become some of your greatest allies in the future mm -hmm. so as someone who leads businesses and has to do a lot of negotiations and things like that that's a major part of the experience I've had where it's like oh they saw me and they saw how hard it was and they mocked me until God started to really let them know he was upholding this vision and it would happen with or without them then they got conviction conviction and now they're one of the first to run to my aid but it took me being the spectacle that they watched yelling this message and falling all over the place failing even for them to be provoked to come alongside and take their place in it so anyway any other thoughts you want to share about college as a christian about anything 
Um, I know one of the biggest things for me was like really finding time for God. Like in my freshman year, my first semester of college, I felt like I didn't have enough time to like be in his face. I felt like I didn't have enough time to pray. Like I was either stressing about work, stressing about homework, stressing about how I was going to get things done. And then like, I felt like there was no time for him. So like, I don't know if that was like anybody else's struggle with that, but that was really hard for me. Like really trying to find time to give to him. And I felt like I neglected him in a sense. I think I had the opposite struggle, especially when I started taking Bible. I'm like, this is too much. I'm uninterested. I'm not motivated. So I really had to find different ways to motivate myself and know that, okay, aside from school, you need this in real life, just with your walk in, I mean, with your walk uh, in God. So it was hard, but I had to find different people to connect with. I had to find different things to do, different music to listen to, just to keep myself focused in the books that I had to read in the Bible. You saying you had Bible overkill? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know how that is. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you know I feel like such an inspiration, and other times I feel like I'm so dry. Like you know, yeah. you know. Um, so, but a break is good because it just kind of gives me time to reflect and kind of like sit back and and think about a lot of things. And yeah. And it's kind of like being a preacher because one thing that they'll often say and tell you is that you and by the well, never mind, I'm not going to go there today. But yeah, so one <laughs> of the things they'll tell you to do is to make sure that you approach study different from intimacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the you can take a break from study, but you don't take a break from intimacy. That's yeah. how you'll you you'll lose stability when you do that. When it comes to God, and and it's hard to learn that. Because lots of times it, you just look at it as time, right? Whether I'm in, if I'm in the Bible, then it's just equal yeah, quality, it's right? Hard to balance, right? The two. But it's, it's yeah. and I think I think it's part of like that experience of being like, we got to teach people how to fall in love. It's yes. a very different thing when you're in love with God and you think, oh, I get to see the one I love through these verses. It's not me doing a chore. It's not me doing an assignment. It's me having a conversation with someone that I actually absolutely love. And that's not always how you feel. Like, I'm not saying that to be condemnatory because I didn't always open my Bible and think, oh, I love him so much. He's <laughs> talking to me right now. This is special. No, that probably developed when I was in college, even though I was saved at a much younger age than that. Um, when I was in college and needed needed to really recover from what would otherwise be a void then I think it became just like this okay I really do love talking to him I really do love his word because I'm understanding the quality that it brings to my life and my heart but it wasn't automatic and but go ahead what were you gonna say anyone else have something to add okay sorry I just felt like <laughs> someone was gonna say something <laughs> but that being said but yeah I think that's that's the difference because I took some theological classes as well so you know I did have the assignments but I also had to say okay you reading this for a paper is not the same yeah. as you yes, talking definitely. to God out yeah. of love and you're gonna have to maintain both and then also as a preacher like I speak a lot and you know if I'm going to study to craft a sermon, that is not my devotional time. Like that doesn't take the place of that. I still have to get up and spend my time just in worship. And it can't be about anything but worshiping. Does that mean that I can't use that material in a sermon? Of course not. Typically nowadays, I work so much. I mean, I work just about every waking hour outside of the time I spend in worship in the morning. 
in in corporate settings at, at night. So what I found is that what I preach really is just an overflow from whatever I'm getting in that place. And very rarely do I get to open a Bible for the sake of only preparing a sermon. Yeah. But it is kind of like two different tanks. So any other things? And, and let me ask you this. You all talked about the struggle of having that sustained intimacy as a collegiate. How what was the solution? I don't have one. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, well, we just ended this semester, so it just stressed me out the whole semester. So now that it's ended, I'm like, okay, refocus, figure out a plan, but I don't have one. I understand. How did you guys recover? Are you still working um, it out? Well, for me, it just kind of took me just to get at that place where I'm just like, because like when I was going through all of that, I wasn't happy like at all. Like it, it kind of caused a depression almost. So it just took for me to hit rock bottom for me to be like, all right, I don't care. Like, God, I'm going to spend time with you. Like, it was just one of those things. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to be honest. Um, my first year at Valor was, was great. And uh, last semester was just kind of up and down sometimes, you know, dealt with a lot of things and everything. But um, I feel like I could change that by, you know, um, focusing more on who I hang out with and stuff, and like um, taking the time to actually um, worship God because um, I play piano and everything, and I love singing, and I feel like when I worship, I can connect with God, you know, that way. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, and another thing, when she said that, it just also reminded me that um, something that we learn at school is that we're also created to worship, like we are like walking worship. So yes. um, whatever gifts that we have that God placed on the inside of us is also, in my opinion, can be another form of our worship to him. If we're truly doing it like like unto him, like I feel like that could another, be another way of worship. So many times if I'm probably like volunteering on the cameras for church or something, like I would always pray that prayer like, God, I'm going to do this unto you. So let this be pleasing to you. This is my worship to you. So that's another form that I also do. Absolutely. I think it's probably the most essential form, right? Yeah. Any others? And I feel like it's a balance in everything, you know, not, I mean, um, you know, we are spirit beings in a physical body. So when our spirit is connected to God, then our, our soul, our mind and spirit, you know, is in, in balance, I, I feel. And so, yeah, it's just, I feel it's just in balance in everything. And I think that sounds great. <laughs> I know for me, um, I everybody nobody really like likes going to work, but I work at McAllister's and I always close and I don't know, it was like the time that I got to spend most with God was while I was at work closing. It was so weird to me. I'm like, God, why do you wanna talk to me here? Like, why here? Like, it wouldn't necessarily be at home, it wouldn't be at school, but it was like, while we were closing at work, I would be in the, the front of the house closing, and I would turn on my music, and me and God would just, I'd listen to my music, and I'd just be talking to God, people come out, are you okay, Shelby? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I guess just finding that place, that time, where you really feel connected, and that's where I felt like God would always meet me at work, when I was closing, and I just, like being in constant communication with him like even in my thoughts like I will make sure like throughout the day like I feel like I'm still in tune with you God or I hear you talking to me about this and about that you know really just being in tune with him throughout the day and communing with him 
There's a, a couple of scriptures that come to mind. One is the one that says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. And the other scripture that comes to mind is the one that says, pray without ceasing. Another scripture that comes to mind is the one that talks about us presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, because I think that they all kind of intertwine to create what you're talking about, which is a tapestry of a lifestyle of worship. And, and you know, worship is just this declaration of the worth of Jesus. It's a declaration of the worth of God. It's the declaration of the worth of idols. That's why you can worship anything. You don't mm-hmm. you can't only worship I mean it's not exclusively for God, but true worship that's described in like John chapter four. That's God only, right? And it's, you know, grounded in truth and manifested through the spirit, which is what you were saying. When our spirits are uh, you know, aligned and really inhabited by the Spirit of God, then of course there is this alignment that comes throughout the rest of our life. But um, but yeah, I love that. I love the idea of, of these college students hopping around Lexington and McAllister's and in the library <laughs> saying, I love you, Jesus. I love it. I think it's, it's great. And that's that's exactly what it can be for forever. And, and honestly, that's why I think I love the fact that most of you, or actually all of you have identified career paths that can totally be God honoring. And they all have a dynamic that's being fought by the adversary that I hope you're noticing and that you're being um, strengthened to endure, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. but but yeah, the, all these things can be God honoring. And, and that's that's cool. I mean, I can't wait to see millennials taking over classrooms and and taking over counseling offices and taking over. Um, courtrooms and taking over hospital rooms in the name of the Lord. And that's not because, oh Lord, I'm not propagating a one world order. (laughs) But I am propagating using the power that we have Mm -hmm. in a very uh, significant way. Yeah. So from the days of John the Baptist until now, (laughs) the kingdom suffers Mm -hmm. violence and the violence take it by force. So there is a, a reach that we have in Christ that I think makes it exciting. I mean, that's one thing because, like, me, one of my best friends is a pastor. He's like a brother. He's like really like a brother to me. We like to say that when we're talking about guys so that we don't sound promiscuous, but now nah, he's really like a brother. Like, could never be anything but a brother. So, yeah, so like, oh, he's probably watching too. But anyway, <laughs> and he knows that. Lord, okay. So anyway, yeah, brother, 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 is is a pastor. I have a bunch of, of friends who are pastors, and I'm a rest talking about um, how like we would get called in to do these young like youth services all the time, and you know, and we're just like, I don't feel like I can relate to these young people because <laughs> first of all, when we were like young, when we were young teenagers, and when we when we were kids, we were weird. We were not fitting in with the groups of kids that were in churches even though we love Jesus. So we're going to take a break at this time, uh, guys. Just so you know, he knows our name. It's still playing in the background, <laughs> but we're going to flip the song. This is Brittany is Chosen. You're listening to The Chosen Chronicles, and I'm joined by four amazing young ladies of God who love them and want to love them more, <laughs> just like me. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> 